from the CSI Today News Desk at the College of Staten Island. Welcome to the CSI Today Talks Podcast with your hosts, David Pizzuto and Terry Manns. The CSI Today Talks Podcast is your connection to the College of Staten Island with the newsmakers that make it happen. From world-renowned faculty and staff, dynamic students, and community leaders, stay connected to CSI with CSI Today Talks. And now, here is your host, Terry Mayers. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the CSI Today Talks podcast on CSIToday.com or from wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. This is Terry Mayers, co-host of CSI Today Talks, here to bring you the latest episode, Season 2, Episode 6. Today, we're talking to Stephen First, Executive Director of the CSI Center for Global Engagement. Before we get to Stephen, we want to remind you to make sure that you subscribe to our podcast. Co-host David Pizzuto and I will look to bring you new episodes often. Like this episode coming up, all of our episodes are available via our archive on Anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, from our website at www.csitoday.com, or from wherever you found us today. So let's get right into it. Thanks for joining us today, Stephen. Delightful to be here. Uh, So why don't we begin with you telling me a little bit about your tenure at CSI. Sure. Well, I'm closing in on about 10 years at CSI, and over the time I've seen a tremendous change in the campus and our students. When I arrived on campus, uh, the residence halls were just opening, and there was a renewed buzz about the future of our student body. What at the time was a more parochial student body has really bloomed into a more cosmopolitan body where uh, the students have committed to both our community here on Staten Island and beyond the borders of the island. I'm really seeing students get very excited about their possibilities in a globalized world. Okay. Moving now to the Center for Global Engagement. Uh, Could you please give me a brief history of the center and a general overview of what it does? So the center was established in 1976 as a way to bring together services for international students coming to CSI and as a way to involve our students in studying abroad. Uh, Since that time, CSI has enrolled thousands of international students. Uh, We've probably sent over 10,000 students abroad. Um, The center also engages in important work of globalizing and internationalizing the campus and the community by encouraging our faculty to teach from international perspectives, by conducting programming on on the campus that brings global issues to CSI students. Uh, We provide support for deans, departments, the provost and president, uh, looking to enhance uh, their division with globalized ideas and international ideas. Uh, We help recruit international students and bring some of the most interesting and forward-thinking international scholars from all around the globe to teach, lecture, conduct research, and engage in scholarly activities here at the college. Okay. Now let's get down to some of the specifics about the center. As you mentioned, one of the major areas of the center is its oversight of study abroad programs. What's involved there? Studying abroad has always been one of the most transformative and impactful experiences an undergraduate student can have while they're enrolled at college. Um, At CSI, we're committed to enabling all students to have the opportunity to go abroad. That means that we offer over 50 of our own programs. Uh, Those are spread out across every major 
We do that in over 30 countries, and of course, we have options for every term, fall, spring, winter, and summer. Mm-hmm. In addition, when students don't find an option among our own programs, we're always there to assist them with engaging in one of our CUNY sister uh, campuses, where we have a total of 135 programs spread out throughout the entire university, or programs even outside of the university. Um, through our office, we annually send over 200 students to all corners of the earth. Popular places tend to include Italy, um, all over Latin America, and Japan in particular. Okay, now if a student were interested in getting involved in study abroad, how would they go about getting that process rolling? Well, this is an easy one. Okay. Uh, we do everything in our power to make it as easy as possible for students. Great. Uh, they can, of course, just visit our website, studyabroad.csi.cuny.edu. They can come in and visit us in Building 2A, Room 206. They can call us, of course, and we walk the students through the process of learning about their options, selecting the right program and applying for that program. Uh, Most students come in with some rough idea of where they want to be in the world or they have an idea of what they want to study. We like to start at one of those two points, and from there we take an exploration of what's best for the student, what meets their needs, both time in school, both their time abroad, and where they can best fit into their uh, globalized education. Now, if I were a student who was interested in studying abroad, I'd be concerned, obviously, about the cost. But why don't you explain that a little bit? How affordable is this? I've always taken the approach that affordability is a matter of priority. But I'm also not so naive to think that students don't have very real concerns about the cost. Mm -hmm. We've designed programs that are the same as staying at CSI, That means you pay your tuition here at home and you can study abroad. Of course, students are still responsible for their housing and their food while they're abroad. And then some of our programs are quite a bit more than staying here at CSI. That's just a matter of the educational system abroad. But for each program, what we do is we sit down with students. We assist them in finding scholarships, working with the financial aid office, and finding other ways to finance their education. They said it's not always uh, an easy thing. But it's something that we feel once students put a priority into, we can help them figure out how to make this affordable for all students. Okay. You mentioned back in the overview about CSI hosting uh, international students and academics. Uh, And I guess a part of this, from from what I can see, is uh, international students and scholar services, uh, which you uh, shortened down to ISSS. Uh, What does the center do to host visiting students and academics? So CSI is home to over 200 international students from 65 different countries. Okay. Our job in the center is to make sure that they feel welcome here, make sure that they continue to follow the rules that come along with studying as an international student, and to advocate on their behalf to ensure that they enjoy all the rights and privileges of all CSI students. So our international students tend to blend into our campus because we have such a diverse campus to begin with. It's hard to distinguish who's an international student and who's not when they're walking down the walkways between the library and uh, our student center. Or if they're in our student center enjoying a meal and you hear the various languages, because of the student body, it's enabled our students to fit right in. Uh, to feel very much at home. And that's one of the things that we try to do with all of our international students. For our scholars, we do much the same, but of course they're working with our faculty here on campus. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. So we have at the moment over 65 scholars from around the world that are studying, working, or doing research with other faculty here at CSI. They bring a dimension to CSI that we just wouldn't have if we didn't have this type of program. Okay. Another service that you provide is the English Language Institute. Uh, what does it do? Who can participate? And how many people on average does it serve? So CSI runs one of the oldest English language institutes in the CUNY system. Um, throughout the decades that we've been running the program, uh, we have had thousands of students come through uh, to learn English, to start sometimes at the beginner level or sometimes a bit higher, and bring them up to a level where they can study at a university or a graduate school in the U.S. Um, at the moment, we have about 50 students who are registered in our courses. Our courses run four days a week, and they're very intense. Imagine studying English for 18 to 20 hours a week. Most of our students are from overseas, although some of our students are also local Staten Island residents who are coming to brush up on their English skills. In all cases, our goal is to get those students college ready. We want the folks who go through our English language program to come out with a, a strong command of English and the ability to join as a regular CSI student. Let's talk about another aspect of the center, comprehensive internationalization. What is it and why is it important? So comprehensive internationalization, or CISN as we sometimes shorten it to, is really the idea that internationalizing a campus is everyone's job, right? From the mm -hmm. president all the way down, from the groundskeeper all the way up. The idea is that no matter where you are on campus, no matter who you are on campus, you understand how our campus fits into a global world, how it fits into an internationalized world. And you can think of this in the disciplines, where almost without exception, every business, every corporation is multinational now. Mm -hmm. Even if you're just running a small mom-and-pop shop, you may be buying your supplies from overseas. You may be dealing with a customer service center that's overseas. Right. So part of it is getting our students ready to deal with an entire globalized world, right? We talk a lot uh, in the world about oil prices and we talk about steel prices. These are global commodities. These things aren't just sold locally. So everything now is happening on a global scale. What we also do with comprehensive internationalization is ensure that our courses have an international component we ensure that students who don't have an opportunity to study abroad are able to join programming that teaches them about the world. We work with our faculty and the staff to incorporate our international students to ensure that various languages are used on campus uh, and to make sure that everybody feels welcome. It's really a, a whole idea so that the campus itself is open and focused on what the needs of uh, a future world looks like. Okay. And that can be from, as I said, very, very mundane things like the, how do we trade steel or what does a currency imbalance mean to the much larger ideas of comprehensive internationalization, which involves those things like climate change and human rights and the types of ideas that really are, are bringing forth on a global scale. Another thing that the center does is something called specialized professional programs and initiatives. Could you provide some examples of these? Yeah, these are some of my, my favorite programs. Uh, what we've done in our professional programs and initiatives 
area is develop programs for folks from overseas who want to come to CSI and learn about CSI, learn about Staten Island, learn about New York. So some of the programs that we've held in the past have been doing business in New York City. We've held programs on the healthcare system in New York, and we've held programs on uh, on human uh, resources. We've held programs on small business development. What we do is we work with the campus, we work with our faculty experts, and we develop programs that really bring the best of CSI to the world. Okay. Uh, this enhances the campus by bringing more visitors to the campus. Uh, we interact with our faculty here. We bring visitors in to interact, and we show them the best of what Staten Island, New York, and, of course, CSI has to offer. Part of these initiatives is the Peace Corps prep program. Uh, please explain what that is and how the center is involved with that. We are extremely proud to be a Peace Corps prep school. Um, we are one of only about 150 in the nation, and through a selective process, we were able to apply and become one of those few schools. The Peace Corps prep program is designed to give undergraduate students a leg up in the process of applying to the Peace Corps. And they do that through a curriculum that was developed between CSI and the Peace Corps to ensure that students have all the right tools by the time they graduate. So students going through the Peace Corps prep program will have language ability skills, either in French or in Spanish, the zones where the Peace Corps operates. They will have uh, specific skills in their discipline that they can pass on. So in the Peace Corps, there are six areas of concentration, agriculture, biological sciences, education, healthcare, mm-hmm. and community development, et cetera. And inside those areas, we've designated courses already at CSI for students to gain the skills that they can then teach abroad when they're in the Peace Corps. Okay. Another skill is cross-cultural competency. Uh, we find it extremely important that our graduates have a, a competency to work across multiple cultures. Not only is that helpful if you stay in New York, it's also helpful if you work with any international organization. Sure. And of course, as we all know, there are folks now moving around the globe at lightning speed, And working with folks in those different cultures, crossing those cultures, is what we try to offer there. And then finally, in that Peace Corps prep program, there's a leadership component. And the students who are engaged in that program will have the opportunity to take on leadership roles. Combining those four areas really gives a student that marker that says, I am ready to enter the Peace Corps. Okay. Over the course of any given semester at CSI, the center hosts numerous events. It seems like you folks always have something going on. Why don't you uh, provide a breakdown of the types of programs and events that you offer and uh, give some examples of them? Sure. Um, We are always offering, as you said, uh, another program. Um, It's something that we really focus on doing because we know that not everybody has the opportunity to travel. Not everybody has the same mobility opportunities. So what we do is we develop programs that bring the world to CSI. One of those is our World on Wednesday series. Um, This is a long-running series where we have each Wednesday during the semester a lecture from somebody who has traveled abroad, somebody who has lived abroad, or somebody who does research abroad. 
and they bring those ideas and how their international experience have impacted them to the campus. And okay. our students join those to listen in on that and get a glimpse of, of the world outside of our gate here. Of course, we also have the Global Kitchen Series. Uh, and the Global Kitchen Series is something we developed um, about six years ago. Um, and it's a set of lectures that combines two of my favorite subjects, uh, food being <laughs> one of them, um, okay. and international. Uh, and so there's a lecture, of course. Uh, it's about a 20 to 30 minute lecture on some topic of food. So it might be on the spice trade. It might be on the history of chocolate. It might be on the, uh, the chemical reactions in the body to sugar. And then once that lecture is over, we tend to do demonstration or we eat, right? So we might have a taste, uh, chocolate tasting, or we might have spice tasting, or we might have how dumplings are created in different parts of the world. The idea is that we're combining uh, a fun, activity uh, with a learning activity. So students listen to the lecture and then they move on. Um, we also sponsor a, a moon festival. Um, we sponsor uh, New Year's for the Asian uh, Lunar New Year um, and many of the other cultural festivals that happen in connection with departments around the campus. So we'll work with, um, with World Languages to do the um, Spanish Heritage Month celebrations and or the Italian month heritage. Uh, we work with um, even our departments of political science and history and biology to bring in lecturers that have an international focus to what they're doing. Really trying to do that comprehensive internationalization that I spoke about earlier and really bring those ideas to the student body here on campus. Okay. And what kind of response uh, to these events do you receive from the CSI community? And in your opinion, how effective are they? Well, the ones with food certainly draw a lot of students. <laughs> of course. Uh, <laughs> we also find uh, that when topics are really very relevant, uh, we have a lot of attendance. Um, earlier this year, we sponsored a uh, program online uh, about the uh, engaging crisis between uh, Russia and Ukraine. Um, we had planned this when we saw things were heating up. We had a pop-up lecture of sorts. Mm -hmm. um, our timing ended up that we, in fact, held the lecture uh, the evening before uh, Russia invaded Ukraine. Uh, that was mm -hmm. a online Zoom lecture that had nearly 400 participants. So we're finding that when we put out a topic that has relevance to our students, that is relevant to what is happening in the world, we see tremendous engagement. Okay, sounds good. Uh, now, another facet of the center is the Phi Beta Delta Honor Society for International Scholars. What role does this serve and what are its functions? So the Phi Beta Delta Honor Society is uh, one of the chapters of the National Phi Beta Delta Society. And our goal is to highlight and to recognize uh, students, faculty, and administrators who have been involved in internationalizing their own lives, um, in studying abroad, in contributing to the international global agenda. Um, and so doing so, we have an annual ceremony that recognizes them. Um, and then throughout the year, a number of activities will happen, whether they are sponsored visits to the United Nations 
or lectures that come in, or just simply meetings of like-minded people who are interested in international affairs and, and global ideas. The idea is that uh, students and others who have put efforts into being globalized, into increasing their intercultural competency, and into uh, ensuring that they are part of globalized world are recognized for those efforts. Okay, and ballpark estimate about how many people on campus are involved with that? Um, we have about 45 members at the moment. Um, nice. Of course, as our students graduate, um, they become alumni of Phi Beta Delta, um, but at any given time, there are probably between 45 and 60 members on campus. Okay. Let's turn the spotlight back on to you, Stephen. What's your favorite aspect or aspects, if you want to talk a little bit more of your job and why? I've been doing this a very long time. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, as such, I've come to a few favorite things that I really like to do. Um, of course, everyone will immediately say the travel must be the most exciting part uh, of what I do. Um, it's certainly exciting, but maybe not my favorite aspect. It's what the travel allows me to do. So when I'm abroad or when I'm working with our overseas partners, um, it's creating something new, right? There's a tremendous amount of creativity in my job. I'm able to create new programs and new opportunities for students. I'm able to create new, I, new ideas that bring that, that global feel to the campus. Or I'm able to work with faculty and create a new curriculum or help them develop a new course that focuses on some aspect of the world. And I'd have to say that's probably my favorite aspect of the job. Um, I will say, you know, when I get to travel, um, it's extremely exhausting. Um, I know that sounds like a humble brag, um, but traveling around the world can be tough. Um, it is rewarding. Uh, you do get to meet people of all walks of life, of, from all different cultures. Um, and I think that that really enriches your own life. Um, and if I've gained anything from my over 30 years of doing uh, international programming. It, it's that I have contacts around the world, and, and each and every one of them has added some enrichment to my own life. Great. Now let's look at the challenges. What do you have there? The challenges are big. Um, much of that comes from the idea that uh, we are by nature, I think, people are by nature very local, right? We, we've, you know, we're certainly, you know, civilization is 10,000 years old, um, but the idea that we would, you know, travel around the world, that we would meet people from more than even, you know, 50 or 100 miles away is really a new concept, right? It's a concept that maybe came around in the 1950s. Sure, people traveled the world centuries ago, but, you know, we've been, we've been around as humans for millennia, and the idea that you would just get on a plane and in three or four hours uh, or seven hours be halfway around the world um, right. is something that is different. And so changing that human mindset to uh, something that, oh, the world impacts me as much as I impact the world um, is, is what's difficult. And working with people to say this is, uh, this is how the future looks, this is what the world will look like um, and getting folks there. Uh, is important. What I find particularly challenging at CSI um, is working with our population here to let them know that this is possible, right? Right. 
one thing I want to get across to everybody is that a global education is possible for you. And too many folks think, I could never do that. It's not right. People like me don't go abroad. That's not the case. Right? We send students from every major, from every discipline, from every borough in New York City and beyond overseas. There isn't a student on this campus that can't go abroad. There isn't a student on this campus that can't take part in our international programming. And there isn't a student on this campus who I don't feel would gain doing those activities. Okay. Now, maybe if you could provide one or two examples, without mentioning names, of students who came into the program, went abroad, and really had a life-changing experience. Of course. Um, I'd have to say all of them, but uh, there are a few that, that really uh, stand out. In fact, we have a uh, student who's still a current student, and uh, she studied abroad, came back, and realized the vastness of the globe and realized how, um, how big and, and important what was happening out there was. Um, she has now kind of turned her focus to where she can go abroad next and do research in what her most interesting subject, which is education. She wants to learn about the educational systems around the world. And she's come to us and she said, how can I do this? How can I continue to look around the world? And, and how will that make me a better researcher? She's headed off to graduate school. And I'm sure that she'll use those experiences uh, for, for doing uh, so much better in graduate school and really focusing what she's going to do there. Um, and that's just one of my recent students. Um, but over my career, I've had so many students that have uh, been timid about going abroad, haven't been sure if they want to go abroad, and have taken that leap. We've held their hand, we've guided them through, um, and they've gone abroad. They come back completely changed, more confident, um, with a stronger outlook on on the world with a stronger outlook on life, knowing what they want to do. And many of those students end up themselves and going abroad. I have another student, he came back from a, a program overseas, decided, I'm going to move back overseas. He moved to Thailand, and he opened up one of the most successful English language schools in Thailand, yeah. right, which he ran for many, many years. And he changed the lives of many uh, children and many young adults in Thailand who were then learned English, moved on to careers, either where English was necessary and or uh, came over to the U.S. to study. Wow, that's nice. Yeah, it's, uh, it seems like, you know, he had the opportunity and then he went over there and just shared his gift. One of the things that happens with study abroad, uh, students go, they see the rest of the world, and they have to. They, they feel compelled to give back. Mm -hmm. um, so, as I said, those are just two examples. I have dozens of stories uh, like that where students were transformed by this experience and went on to uh, create NGOs or nonprofit organizations or to clean up the environment abroad or to teach English overseas really have gone on to inspire thousands and thousands of others uh, to follow in their footsteps. And I think that's probably one of the biggest takeaways from study abroad. Um, so many of our students do go abroad. Um, they come back, and while, was, while they had a singular impact on their experience, 
tend to pass that on. And that's really how we tend to grow what happens out of that experience. Wonderful. One final question for you, Stephen. What do you see the future holding for the center? So I think the Center for Global Engagement has a, a very bright future. One of the areas at the college where we have focused on helping our students gain that untouchable, that, that intangible idea of what a well-rounded education is. And, and as such, I think we're here looking at what else we can do for students. How can we expand their opportunities? How can we bring them more opportunities? So I think in the future what we'll see is a center that is more tightly integrated with our faculty that is working to create uh, curricula and, and disciplinary changes and things that enhance that student experience uh, along with, of course, increasing mobility for students uh, and ensuring that all CSI students have this wonderful opportunity. All right. Well, Stephen, thanks for joining me today and telling us a little bit about the Center for Global Engagement. I hope that we're able to get the word out about the center and encourage more people to study abroad. Thank you, Terry. It was a delight talking to you, and I certainly do hope that all of our CSI students listening will come visit us and uh, we can make their global education a reality. Great. Thanks again, Stephen. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks again for listening. Coming up next week, David Pizzuto rejoins the show with another exclusive interview on CSI Today Talks. Check us out, as well as all the newsmakers at CSI, on www.csitoday.com, and be sure to subscribe. We'll see you next week, right here on CSI Today Talks. Thank you for listening to this edition of the CSI Today Talks podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast to get alerted for brand new episodes and to listen on demand to your favorites. Be sure to check us out at www.csitoday.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.